Okay, so everyone knows the uh, famous machlokes between Beisham and Beisil regarding how we should light Hanukkah, how we should light, light Hanukkah candles. All right, so we all know that the Gemara in Shabbos records that according to Beishamai, it's Paiches Vahilech. You decrease in numbers. So the first night you light eight candles, and you go down from eight all the way till one the final night. And Beisil disagrees, which is how we do, which is Maisif Vahilech, that you that you increase. So the first night you start with one, and you end up with eight. It's Machlagis Bishan Bissel. Now, the Gemara and Shabbos explains the Machlagis in two different ways, two different uh, arguments that each one is making. Also well known, the Gemara and Shabbos again says that one interpretation, one explanation of the Machlagis is that Beishamai models Chanukah based on Pariachag, the oxen that were brought in the base of Migdash on Sukkot. We know the Torah tells us that you should bring altogether 70 oxen, and the way you bring 70 oxen on Sukkot is Pariches Vahilech. You have a, uh, you know, a certain amount on night one, uh, on the first day of Sukkot, and the numbers decrease. Altogether 70, but the numbers are decreasing. So says Bishamai, that's how we should model Hanukkah as well, Pariches Vahilech. Basil disagrees, and Basil says, Malam that with Kedusha B'derach Klal, we go up. So therefore, instead of decreasing, it should go up, so it's Maisev Ha'alich. That's one interpretation of the Gemara. Now, the truth is, this is something that a lot of Farshim ask, which is that they don't seem to be talking to each other. I mean, again, Beishamai agrees in principle to Malam B'Kadosh Vaymeridin, but his point is that we have, uh, we have a reason, to, we, have a, we have a thing to model after, which is Pariachag, the oxen of Sukkot. And so, and, the, and Basil is not really addressing that. Again, so and as, why does Beishamai hold that we should model Hanukkah after the oxen of Sukkot? Obviously, Basil disagrees with that point, but that's not, what he's, that's not the point that he makes. He's not addressing that. And Beishamai agrees that the conceptually Malam B'Kadosh but he holds that we should go with Pariachag. It's disjointed. They're not talking to each other. Whatever reason Beishamai holds to go with Pariachag, Basil doesn't doesn't uh, doesn't doesn't deal with, and whatever reason Basil has to go with Malam Akaidish, Beishamai isn't dealing with. So they're simply not speaking to each other. So that's that's one issue. The other reason, the other uh, explanation of the Machlagis the Gemara gives is as follows: that Beishamai that says again, let's say night one, you light eight candles. The concept of Beishamai is that you're lighting candles corresponding to the Yomim Hanich Nasim, the days that have yet to come. So the first night of Hanukkah, you have eight days ahead of you. So you light eight candles. The second night of Hanukkah, you, you, ready, you now have seven days ahead of you. So you light seven candles and so on. So you're lighting corresponding to the days of Hanukkah that have yet to come. Whereas Beis Hillel goes the opposite approach. Beis Hillel says we're lighting candles corresponding to Yomim Hayoitzim, uh, corresponding to days that have already passed. So night one, you already have one day under your belt. So fine, so you light one candle. The second, the second night, you're now in day two, so you light two candles, and so on. So it's a different perspective. That's the other interpretation of the Gemara. So already in this, this, this explanation, you already see that they're talking together. You know, they're talking about the same idea, that the lights are corresponding to days, the candles are corresponding to days. The question is, are they corresponding to days that have yet to come? Or days that have that that you already have under your belt. That's uh, that's the second interpretation. But the truth is, even that interpretation is also difficult to understand because it seems to be 
the issue is is not only whether you're lighting days corresponding to candles corresponding to days that have yet to come, or candles corresponding to days that you already are in. The issue is also what seems to be machlekes between Beisham and Basil is how do you define the day that you're in? So, for example, let's say the first night of Hanukkah. So, according to Beishamai, the first night of Hanukkah. So, Hanukkah, the first night just started a few minutes ago, right? That's why you're lighting at night. So, it started just a few minutes ago. And says Beishamai, you're lighting eight candles. Why eight? Because you still have eight days to come. In other words, the 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 first night of Hanukkah that you're lighting, that's not considered a day that's under your belt. The bulk of that day has yet to come. So, just as Day two hasn't started yet, and day three hasn't started yet. Day one really hasn't started yet. So you're lighting all eight candles because eight days have yet to come. So it means according to Veshamai, whatever day that you're in, whatever night of Hanukkah you're up to, that particular day is not considered to have come yet. So you're lighting on the first night all eight candles because eight days have yet to come. And the second night, only one day has passed. You're now you're now a few minutes into day two. But that's only just a few minutes. The second day is still no different than the third, fourth, and fifth. It hasn't yet come to pass. So you light seven candles and so on. So Beishamai seems to be holding that although you're, whatever night of Hanukkah you're up to, since you're only a few minutes into it, that day is not considered to have come yet. It's considered to be a day that has yet to come. Whereas Beishil is the opposite. Beishil is, let's say, on the, night, the first night, he lights one candle. Why? because he's lighting candles corresponding to the days that have already come. Which means that Basil is holding that although it's only a few minutes into the first night of Hanukkah, that's cons- a little bit of the day is considered like the whole day. It's as if the first day is already under your belt, it's already in your pocket. And therefore you're counting the days that have already come, which is day one. And on the second night of Hanukkah, even though it's only a few minutes into the second night, a little bit of the second night is considered to be like the whole day already. So on some level, the second day has already come. And therefore, you're like two candles corresponding to the first two days that have already come. So in other words, what's seen, the machlag is between Bisham and Basil is, is not only whether you're lighting candles corresponding to the days that have yet to come or the days that have come already. It seems to be clear that part of the disagreement is how do you define the day that you're in? Again, you're lighting Hanukkah candles a few minutes into that particular day. Is that considered as if that day is under your belt? Or do we say that no, since it's only a few minutes or a few hours, at the end of the day, the day that particular time has yet to come. It's not come yet. And that seems to be also machlegis between Beisham and Basil. So the question is, how do we make sense of that? You know, why are they disagreeing about that point? What does that tell us about Hanukkah? What does it tell us about Hanukkah, about Beisham Basil? Okay, so those are the issues that we have in terms of like understanding the machlekes. Again, uh, what is Pariachag and Malam Bakaydish? How how is that a conversation? What do those two things have have to do with each other? How is that a, a normal conversation? Doesn't seem to be. Doesn't seem that they're talking to each other. If that's the point, and in terms of Neged Yom Hanichnasim or Yom Hayaitzim, days that are coming or days that have already come, it seems that when you boil it down, the machlekes is whether the day that you're in is considered to have come or, or not, and that needs explanation. Why, why are they disagreeing about that? Okay, another point. We know that the riff, Rabbein Al-Fasi, in the back of the Gemara, so the way, the style of his uh, commentary is that he cut, and when he, he, he records the Gemara, 
but he only records the part of the Gemara that's necessary to know for halacha. So all the shakavatari, the back and forth, the questions and answers, he cuts all that out, and he just brings down what you need to know in terms of halacha l'maysa. So the riff on Mesecha Shabbos over there records this machloikis between Beisham and Basil. That Beisham says you go from 8 to 1, and Basil says you go from 1 to 8. Now that's not, that, that's understandable, okay? It's a machloikis, and we know that the general rule is Whenever it's Beishamai versus Basil, we go with Basil. So the riff is bringing down that machlagis, and we know automatically what the what the end of the day halach is, and we go with Basil. The problem is as follows: in the Gemara and Shabbos, after it brings down this machlagis between Beisham and Basil, it records the following the following uh, statement: Amar Rabbi Barachan, Amar Rabbi Yechanan. Rabbi Yechanan said, "Shnei There were two elders, says Rabbi Yechanan, in his time. There were two elders in the city of Tzidon. One did like Beishamai, one did like Beisil. The one that did like Beishamai explained it that he's doing this because of Pariachag, the oxen of Sukkis, that interpretation. And the one that did like Beisil is doing it because of Malam Makadish of Oimaridin. Okay, that's the Gemara. The problem is, is that the Rift brings this down. And the question that the Achrayim deal with is that why in the world would the Rif bring this down? What are we learning from this statement of Rabbi Yechanan more than we already knew? Again, we knew that Beisham and Basil disagree with each other. And we know that whenever there's a Machalik, it's Beisham and Basil, we pass them like Basil. What exactly is being added by this line, by this historical, st- by this historical uh, fact that Rabbi Yechanan is recording, that there were two Chachamim in the city of Tzedon, one did like Beisham, one did like Basil, and each one gave a reasoning according to his uh, explanation, according to his opinion. Uh, again, in the Gemara, the Gemara does that all the time. The Gemara records stories and anecdotes and historical events. That's not difficult. But the Rif, who's purely focused on bringing down quotations of the Gemara, which are halachalamaisa, why is he bothering to bring down this statement of Rabbi Yechanan? So that's a question that a lot of Acharnim uh, deal with. Okay, so what we'll focus on right now is the answer that's offered by the Mishnah by the Bir Halacha. So the Chavetz Chaim in Bir Halacha writes the following thing. It's a mamasha a chiddush, and we'll go from here. We'll we'll see the pinimis of where this is going to take us. So Bir Halacha writes this in, in Tafresh Ayin Aleph. The Bir Halacha says the following thing: It would seem to me a possibility to suggest, in the opinion of the Rif, Said the Bir Halacha that what the Rif is trying to tell you by recording this statement of Rabbi Yechanan is that although generally speaking, whenever we have a machleik, it's Beisham and Beisilo, we know the halach is like Beisilo. But in this particular scenario, when it comes to Hanukkah, you have the right to follow Beisham. The halacha is not defined based on Beisilo. At the end of the day, halacha l'maysa, you can still go like Beisham. And the reason is, the principle says the Bir Halacha, he suggests that the principle of whenever there's Machlaikis Beisham Basilo, we go with Basilo. That's only when they're disagreeing about something that's Halacha. But in this case, what is Beisham Basilo disagreeing about? They're not disagreeing about the technical Halacha of Hanukkah. Technically speaking, everyone agrees that one candle is good enough. What are they disagreeing about? They're disagreeing about Mahajrim and a Mahajrim. They're disagreeing about the most best way to do it, the most Hidradika way, the Mahajrim and a Mahajrim. Then you have Machlaikis Beisham Basil. Should you go 8 to 1 or 1 to 8? 
Said the Baralacha, since it's not a machlaikis about technically halacha, whether you're yaitse or not, because everyone will agree that you're yaitse with whatever amount of candles you light. So this is therefore, it's only machlaikis about hidr mitzvah. A machlaikis of hidr mitzvah is not included in that principle of halacha kebeisilo. And this is why the riff is bringing down this statement of Rabbi Yechanan to, to tell you that even after the psak of we always go with beisilo, Says Rabbi Yechidon, even nowadays you could still go like Beishamah because this case doesn't fall into that category. And he explains, And this is why he brings down this statement to Rabbi Yechidon, who recorded this event of two elders. Because would seem from the Gemara, it sounds like this is something that Rabbi Yechidon eyewitnessed himself, that these two Chachamim, one did like Beishamah, one did like Basil. And the problem is, by the time Rabbi Yechanan was alive, even in his youth, it was already accepted for generations that the is going to be like Basilo. So the question that the Rif was bothered by is that how is it possible that Rabbi Yechanan, who was way after the already consensus that we always go like Basilo, how could Rabbi Yechanan record that in his lifetime there were those that did like Beishamai? How is that possible? Therefore, from here, says the Rif, we see this idea that when it's not halacha, when it's just a question of hid or mitzvah, you could follow, follow Beishamai. And therefore, that's where the Rif is bringing this down, that halacha l'maysa, we have the right to go like Beishamai. That's what the Bira Halacha suggests. Now, he ends off, achain, however, the fact that we do not find this brought down in any of the Paiskim, this idea that he's trying to suggest that you could go like Beishamai, says the I don't suggest you follow this halacha but like I wrote this just to uh, you know bring up the issue, but uh, but that's what the Biralacha suggests that since it's only a question of mahadrin, we could talk of follow beishamai. Now, what's interesting is is that even though the Biralacha brings this down only as a suggestion, and he says he didn't find this anywhere, you know, uh, by other paiskim such a thing. But based on this idea of the Biralacha, there's something that we find in the Kisviari which can make a lot of sense. And this is what we'll, we'll develop right now. We know that when it comes to Chanukah, there are two brachas that you make. Again, the first night, there are three, but Shechyonu, but after the first night, there are two brachas, right? Lahadlik near Chanukah and Sha'asinisim Laviseinu. Those are the two brachas that we make. So in the Kavonis Ariza, we find the following idea. I'm not going to be able to explain this too much, but just this is what he says that in the both brachas share the same beginning, right? It both starts with Baruch Atah Hashem. So the Rizal said that, like this, we have certain, we know that the Rabbani Shalom interacts with the world based on the spheros, based on the midos that, that we have. So there, And we know in the Kisviari that there are certain nekudos, certain uh, vowelizations for letters that correspond to different spheres. So we have nekudos that correspond to chesed, nekudos that correspond to gevura, and so on. So the Rizal said that the, when you say Baruch Atah Hashem by the first Baruch of Lahadlik, when you say the name Yud Kevavke, where you, again you pronounce it Adnai, but the letter is Yud Kevavke, you should have in mind, <coughs> the result said, you should have in mind <coughs> each night Nekudos that correspond to a particular sphere, to a particular Midah. And the way it works, said the result, is for the Baruch of Lahadlik near Hanukkah, that night one, you think of Nekudos that correspond to the Mida of Bina, which is the highest Mida. It's one of the top three, Kesar Chachma Bina. So it's, it, that, that's where it starts. The second night, Chesed, the third night, Gvura, all the way to the eighth night, which is Malchus. So you're moving 
in the, brach, in the first brach of Lahadlik near Hanukkah, you're moving from Bina all the way down to Malchus. Now the Rizal said that's the first bracha. The second bracha Sha'asa, also by Yud Kevavke, you think you're supposed to think Nikudos that correspond to the spheres to the Midas. But instead of going Bina to Malchus, you go from Malchus up to Bina. So the first night is Malchus, the second night is Yisait, and the eighth night is Bina. That's the Rizal said. Now we have to figure this out why the first bracha is different than the second bracha, but the, the Achorinim like deal with this, the Makabalm deal with this. Like what, what exactly does this mean? What's the significance of of the first bracha going from you know from Bina, which is the first, until Malchus, which is the eighth? And then by the second bracha, you're starting off with the eighth and working your way back up to the first. Well, one suggestion that that many Makabal make is that what the what the Arizal is hinting to is that the first bracha you're connecting to the world of Beis Hillel, and therefore, just like Beis Hillel says, you go from one to eight, so the Kavanas also, you're moving from Bina, which is the first, all the way to Malchus, which is the eighth, and the bracha Shasanisim, you're connecting to Beis Shammai, and according to Beis Shammai, it's from eight to one, so the Kavanas also, you go from eight, from Malchus, which is the eighth, all the way back to one, which is Bina, which means that although Allah Lamaisa, practically speaking, obviously you have to make a choice, Either you're following Basil or following Beishamai, but the Rizal is being Megala to us that in Kavanas, Kabbalistically speaking, we are all connecting to both Basil and Beishamai. Now, this is, a, this is a phenomenal concept because, again, this is what we're finding unique to Hanukkah, which is that the Be'er Halacha suggestion that in Halacha, in halacha we have the right to go like Basil or Beishamai. And the Rizal is telling us that, in fact, we're, talking, going, we're connecting to both. The first bracha we're connecting to Basil, and the second bracha we're connecting to Beishamai. Now, this idea that Hanukkah has within it, this, con- this quality of connecting not just to Basil, which is normal, but connecting to even Beishamai, again, whether you, in the Baralacha that you're allowed to, and according to the Rizal, we actually are with the second bracha, this also fits with what we know that Hanukkah in the Surah Hashem is always connected to the light of Mashiach. Like the Bnei Sashar uh, writes that the word Hanukkah is called, it's called Hanukkah from the word Chinuch, which means to dedicate. And it's not only because it's a commemoration of the rededication of the second Beis HaMikdash, but Bnei Sashar writes it's really a, a dedication, a, a, a connection to the dedication of the third Beis HaMikdash. I mean, this is why, I get it, uh, these are well-known things, this is why Hanukkah is connected so much to Hasidus. Hasidus loves Hanukkah. Every Hasidish Sefer talks about Hanukkah more than anything else, you know. And uh, the reason for that is, is because Tarsab al Shemtev is the, the Tar of Mashiach and trying to sort of introduce the world to a Mashiach mindset. And so every Yantif that's going to be Mashiach oriented is going to be a Yantif that's connected to Chasidis. This is why uh, we also find this phenomenon with Hanukkah that as we move closer to Mashiach, there's simply more written about Hanukkah. Earlier generations, there was, there's no Mashiach Hanukkah, there's no Parak of Hanukkah. Uh, there's no, uh, you know, it's just swallowed up within the, the sugis of Ner Shabbos, the Mesecha Shabbos. As we move on closer and closer to Mashiach, then Hanukkah becomes like much more of a independent yantif that's spoken about and written about. Because Hanukkah is a light from Mashiach. Hanukkah is the infinite light, the light, the Aragon is the hidden light that will be revealed with Mashiach. That's the 36 candles, the 36 corresponding to the 36 hours that that hidden light was in Gan Eden, and we're going to be reintroduced to that with Mashiach. So Hanukkah is a Mashiach to Kiyantif. Because of that, now it's well known that although nowadays we pass like Basil, 
what's going to be with Mashiach? Well, Mashiach comes, we passing like Beishamai. So it only makes sense, therefore, that Hanukkah, which is a yantif, which is reflective of Yumaisa Mashiach, is going to be a yantif, which allows us connection to Beishamai even now. Whether it be in halacha like the Bir Halacha, or like the, according to the Arizal, we're talking connecting to, to Beishamai in the second bracha. So this is the idea. So Hanukkah is a Mashiach to Kiyantif, and because of that, it has the quality of uniting both Beishilal, which is the normative halacha of Bizman Hazah, with Beishamai, which is going to be the halacha of Yumaisa Mashiach. So Hanukkah, therefore, has this quality of uniting both Beishilal and Beishamai. Um, now, fine, that's the, that's the idea. Now we have to understand this. A, a number of things we need to explain. First of all, wh- wh- what's this Indian that, that now we pass like Beis Hillel and when Mashiach comes we pass like Beis Shammai? Like, wh- what is that? Like, we're gonna, Beis Hillel is then going to be rejected. How do we make sense of that? Why is it that Taka, when Mashiach comes, we pass like Beis Shammai? That's one thing to think about. And again, we see this reflected in Hanukkah. As I said, that Hanukkah is a Yantif which is coming from Yomai Mashiach. And so, Mimela, it has within it a quality of Beishamei as well, or at least our ability to connect to Beishamei as well. So we have to figure that out. Why is it that, that the halacha changes with Mashiach? And second of all, if Hanukkah is a yantif that somehow connects Beishamei and Beishillel, why is it broken down with the first bracha being like Beishillel and the second bracha being like Beishamei? Why is it break down like that? What's unique to Lahadlik Ner Hanukkah that's more Basildik and Shasinis and Lavisenu that's more Beishamidik? That's gonna be the second question. Okay, so in order to uh, figure this out, we have to at least try to get a little bit closer to understanding the essence of Beishame versus Basil, Bamas. Like well, we have a million machlokes in between them. What's fundamentally the issue? What's the where's all the opinions of Basil coming from, and where are all the opinions of Beishamai coming from? They're not just making things up. It's coming from the root of their neshama. Like every Tana, like every Amar and Chazal, every opinion of a tzaddik and the tzaddiki hadiras, the Torah that they say, the halachas that they say, are coming from the root of their neshama. So Beishamai's halachas are coming from who Beishamai was. And Basil's halachas are coming from who Basil was. So who, who were they, again, in our level, to connect to them? Okay, so in order to do that, what we're going to do is investigate the first time in Shas that we have the mention of Machlekes Beisham Basil. Because this is what we know, a klal, by Tzaddik especially, that the first place something is mentioned, that's the root of the Indian. So if we could, if we could figure out what is the root, what's the point, what's the issue of the first Machlekes Beisham Basil, that should shed some light on Beisham Vesil in general. Okay, so what's the first Machlegis? So the first Machlegis is a Mishnah in Meseches Brachas. It's on Daf Yudame Beis. The Mishnah says as follows. It's talking about, Machlegis is about what physical position a person should be in when you say Kriyishma at night and Kriyishma in the morning. So the Mishnah says like this, Beishamei Oymrim, Beishamei Say, Be'erev, when you say Kriyishma at night, a person should physically be lying down to say Kriyishma, Uba Baiker, and in the morning, Yamaid, you should be standing. Shinamar, what's the source? Because describing the mitzvah of Shema, the morning and the night, it says, when you lie down and when you get up. And says Beishamai, that means that's telling you the physical position you should be in. So you should be lying down for nighttime Shema and standing up for the morning Shema. That's Beishamai. Basila and Basila disagree and they say, no, Koladim Karkadarka, you could recreate Shema however you want. Shinamar Wulakhabadarh, because the Pasik also describing Shema says that you can say it on the way, on your road, on the road. In other words, 
doesn't make a difference, whichever way you want. So what does it mean then when it says you, could say, you should say Kriyishma lying down and standing up? So it says Basil, that's not telling you the physical position, that's telling you when you should say it. You should say Shema at night when people go to bed, when people are lying down, and you should say Kriyishma in the morning when people wake up and get, get up and stand out of bed. So it's not telling you the physical position, it's telling you when you should say Kriyishma. That's the Machlokes B'Shem Basil. Um, Rab Tarfin, Rab Tarfin said the mission records. I was talking traveling on the road. And I wanted to be machmer like Beishamai to lie down for Kriyishma the night, because if you think about it, Basil would agree that that's also fine, right? Basil says you can lie down, stand up, do whatever you want, and Beishamai is the one that says you should be machmer to lie down by Kriyishma of the night. And stand up at creation in the morning. So retire from figure. Listen, if I try to be machmer like Beishamai, Basil shouldn't have a problem with that. So that's what he did. So I lied down in the middle of the road to say Kriyishma at night. And I put myself in danger because of bandits. I put myself in a uh, in a in a um, in a vulnerable position. So Omer Lois, the Chacham responded, Kedai Yis Kedai. If something would have happened to you, it would have been your own fault. Shavart al Divir Basil, because you violated the Psak of Basil. That's the Mishnah. Okay, so let's understand. What does this tell us about Basham Basil, this Machlaikis, about what position you should be in with Krishma? And what's this in your Tarfin saying that I tried to go like Beishamai, but I endangered myself? Okay, let's understand. The, 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 fundament, the Svarmak Dashim explained that the fundamental machlekes between Beisham and Basil, the fundamental point is, what is your perspective? What's your vantage point from which you see reality? Do you see reality from the vantage point of Neshama? Or do you see reality from the vantage point of, of Guf, of body? In other words, the Rabbanu made the world that everything has a Neshama and everything has a Guf. As human beings, we have a Neshama, we have a soul, we have a body. Everything that exists ultimately has a body. There's the physical side to it. There's the finite, specific, you know, body of a rock, of a chair, of a table. But there's also the neshama. Everything has a soul. Everything has a piece of divine light sustaining it, keeping, maintaining its existence. Everything has a neshama. Everything has a guf. Everything has a vessel, and everything has light. Everything has r and kli. Everything is neshama and guf. That's the that's the, those are the most basic building blocks that the world exists with. The machlagis between Misham Basil fundamentally is, from what perspective do you see reality? Do you see reality from the perspective of light, of neshama? Or do you see reality from the perspective of guf, of kli? The machlagis between Misham Basil regarding saying Krishma is also in this way. The saying of Krishma has a body to it and has a soul to it. The body of the, of the reciting of Shema is going to be physical. What, what physical position are you in in the reciting of Shema? That's going to be connected to the body of Krishna. But then there's the soul of Krishna. The soul of Krishna is a little bit less relevant to what physical position you're in. The soul of Krishna is the Amuna, the Bitochen, the Kabol Salmal the acceptance of the yoke of heaven that you're accepting upon yourself by reciting Shema. So in other words, the recitation of Shema has it in two parts. There's the physical recitation, recitation, the words that you're saying with your lips, that your body is, is, is saying. And then there is the, the Amunah, the Bitochen, the, uh, the Kabbal Salmach Shemayim that is being accepted through the physical recital of those words. 
the Shammai who's oriented towards Guf, who sees things from the perspective of Guf, and his Avodah, Avodah Hashem is oriented towards, towards sanctifying the bodies, so towards Avodah, which is oriented towards Guf, so his focus of Krishna is going to be about how the recital is said, what is the physical position you're in to make sure that the recitation, the guf of Krishna, is said properly. So therefore, when he sees the words b'shachu of kumecha, he sees that as defining to you what your guf is supposed to be looking like. B'shachu of kumecha, lying down or, or standing up. Beis Hillel views things from the perspective of neshama. Perspective of neshama, Krishna is not so much about saying the words and how you're saying the words. It's about the kabbalas of Malchus that's being accepted through saying those words. So in Beis Hillel's vantage point, you could say it in any position you want because the fundamental idea is the kabbalas of Malchus that's coming from the words. How you physically say the words is secondary to the light, to the neshama that's being encapsulated by those words. <clears throat> this is the difference between Bisham Yisrael. This is also why... Let's go back to Hanukkah. Beishamai says we, we go 8 to 1, corresponding to the decreasing number of oxen on Sukkot. And Beisil says, What's the point? The thing is like this. Why is it that we decrease the number of oxen on Sukkot? 70 oxen that are brought on Sukkot correspond to the 70 nations of the world. Which means that on Sukkot what's happening is, is that we are, we are facing the enemy, so to speak, head on. We're facing the side of impurity. And we are decreasing its power. We're going from from uh, twelve all the way to one. We're going all the way down. The numbers decrease. That's reflective of decreasing the power of the Sahara. This is something that very much speaks to Beishamai. You have to understand when Beishamai, since Beishamai is seeing things from the perspective of the Guf, from the perspective of of Kli. If you ask Beishamai, what is number one priority in Avodas Hashem? So Beishami would say, number one priority is what? Is Sur Meira, is focusing on making sure is that, that, that evil does not grow and develop. See, the, the, the arena that the Yitzhar exists in is in the Guf. The, 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 the Guf is connected to low things. The Guf is connected to the Yitzhar. That's The Guf is most susceptible to attack of the Yitzhar. Therefore, if you ask uh, neshamas that are guf oriented. If you ask Beishamai, which sees things from the perspective of guf, the number one priority in Avodas Hashem is going to be protecting from the other side. It's going to be trying to ward off attack from the other side, trying to uh, fight the enemy. It's going to be sur meira, avoiding evil. And therefore, Beishamai, Chanukah is is reflective of what's your main priority in Avodas Hashem. Beishamai's main priority is decreasing the power and the influence of evil of, of the Yetzirah because since the guf is the most susceptible thing to the Yetzirah so therefore the most biggest priority is to decrease the influence of the, of the Yetzirah over the guf and therefore it corresponds to Pariachag which is decreasing in number corresponding to the decreasing influence and power of the 70 nations and what the 70 nations represent in terms of the Yetzirah but Beis Hill is a different perspective. Beis Hill comes from the perspective of Neshama. The perspective of Neshama, what's priority number one? Not so much defeating the Sahara. The Sahara doesn't really, uh, that's not its environment in Neshama. The most m- biggest priority of the Sahara is increasing light, is allowing the light of the Neshama to manifest, to express itself, expression of the Neshama. See, the guf, the objective, by, from the perspective of Guf, the objective is constricting one's influence, of not 
allowing oneself to just go crazy and, 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 and do whatever the goof wants. Because if the goof does whatever it wants, it's most likely going to lead to bad places. But the neshama's perspective is the opposite. The neshama's avoid is what? Is to allow itself to be expressed, is to bring its kaiches out. So Beishil says, no, no, malon b'kadosh l'meridin. The machlekes between Beisham and Beisil, between Pari or Malam B'Kadosh L'Meridin, is a machlekes in fundamental, what, what is priority in Avadis Hashem? Is priority Surmeira, that's true from the perspective of Goth, or is it a Seitoiv, which is the perspective of Neshama? And they are speaking to each other, and they are disagreeing with each other, and it's regarding this Nakuda of, do we say, are we oriented from Goth, or are we oriented from Neshama? This is also the fundamental machlekes, whether we say, Mixas Hayoim Kukulai, uh, again, the, the, this, whether we light connected days that are coming or days that have yet to come, and as we explained, that boils down to whether or not the, the moment, that you, the day that you're in, which just started a few minutes ago, do we say that that whole day is considered as if it came or not? Beishamai says that you're only a few minutes into the day one. That means day one hasn't really come yet. Or you're in a few minutes into day two. Day two hasn't really come yet. You're only a few minutes in. Basil says, no, mixes yam kakulai. You're a few minutes into day one, day one is ready under your belt, you light one candle. A few minutes into day, into day two, it means day two is under your belt, you light two candles. What's the machlagas? Again, neshama is undifferentiated. A neshama, see, the nature of the neshama is, is that the neshama has within it the koiches to bring a person, to allow you to see, to hear, to taste, to digest food, to walk, to move your arms. But the neshama by itself without a goth doesn't have the way to express its nuanced koiches. The neshama without a goof is just light, it's just power, it's just energy. It doesn't necessarily have the way of expressing its specific types of energy. In other words, like, you can imagine it like the body is broken down into different parts. You have your eyes, your ears, your nose, your mouth, your lungs, your kidneys, all different parts. The nature of body, the nature of kli, the nature of guf is that it's differentiated, it's specific, it's proteus, it's detailed, it's, it's, it, each piece is finite, it has its own particular arena. Your nose is your nose, your eyes are your eyes, your ears are your ears. Those are specific things. Now a guf without an ashama is dead. So you can have eyes and ears and nose, but without an ashama, those things don't work. And then you have an ashama. An ashama is what? An ashama is just kayach, it's potential, it's its power, but it doesn't have. Ex- but it's not expressed by itself. It's not expressing its power in any specific ways. When the neshama enters the body, so all of a sudden, as the neshama enters the body, when the power of the neshama goes into the eyeballs, now you're able to see. And when the power of the neshama goes into your nose, you're able to smell. And when it goes into your ears, you're able to hear. So all of a sudden, the the undifferentiated, infinite. Uh, one power of the neshama now becomes specified and broken up into pieces through the guf, right? That's what it is. Beishamai, who's coming from the perspective of body, is going to see things from a perspective of, of pieces, of pieces. Just like the body has pieces, eyes, ears, nose, mouth, pieces. So Beishamai's orientation is going to be seeing reality and seeing time itself broken down into pieces. Therefore, Beishamai says, you're only a few minutes into day one. And he sees day, the day one as not one big Indian. He sees day one as broken down into 24 different hours. And how many hours are you into day one? Not even an hour, maybe, just a few minutes. 
that, then day one hasn't really come yet. Because he sees time broken up from the, like the perspective of Guf, so therefore a piece of a day is only a piece of a day. But according to Beis Hillel that sees things from the perspective of Neshama, Neshama is all one. And from the perspective of Neshama, a piece of Neshama is the whole Neshama. Because this idea of breaking it down into pieces is only a Guf perspective. The Neshama by itself is absolutely above the concept of pieces. The Neshama is, is Kuli Echad, it's completely one. Like the Tanya writes with the Rabbani Shloylam, if you hugging a piece of the king is hugging the entirety of the king. A piece of the Rabbani Shloylam is the entirety of the Rabbani Shloylam. There's no such thing as pieces. So the, the, the Beis Shami, who's coming from the world of Guf, so he sees things from a perspective of being able to be broken down into pieces. So therefore, if you're only a few minutes into the first day, that's not the first day yet, because you, the bulk of the first day has yet to come. But Basil says, no, no, mix us a yankakula. If you're holding on to a piece of the first day, it means it's the whole first day. Because he does, from the perspective of neshama, neshama by itself doesn't have this division. A piece of the neshama is the entirety of the neshama. You can't say there's a piece of neshama. You could say a piece of the body. But a piece of neshama doesn't make any sense. That's not true. A piece of neshama is the entire neshama. Now, now let's explain. Let's understand. The reason why nowadays we pasken like Basilo, and when Mashiach comes, we're going to change and pasken like Beishamai, is not because we're saying now Basilo is right and then eventually Beishamai is going to be right. It means as follows. The concept is, is that we always want to maintain a balance. The world that we live in now is a world that's automatically oriented towards guf. When you wake up in the morning, you know you have a body. What you need to be reminded of is that you have an neshama. When you look around the world around you, we automatically see the, the vessels of this world. You see the table, you see the chair, you see the trees, you see nature, you see statistics, you see mathematics. Physicality is something obvious to us. The guf is poshit. What we need to be reminded of constantly every single moment of every single day is that there is a one neshama that sustains all of this body, and that's the Rabbanu Shalom, Einon Milvadai. So therefore... Nowadays, our basic orientation is Beishamai. Our basic orientation of, of reality is guf and kli-oriented, of things being broken down to a million pieces, of things that are finite. That's our orientation. Therefore, bizman hazeh, to balance that, we have to, our avayda is to remind ourselves of, of Beishilo, to remind ourselves of neshama. So bizman hazeh, we pass like Beishilo. When Mashiach comes, it's going to be reversed. When Mashiach comes, our perspective, when we open our eyes in the morning, what's going to be most obvious to us is that we have a neshama. What we are going to be needed to be reminded of is that we have a guf. The reality of Yomayis HaMashiach is going to be so saturated with divinity. The level of Eina Mulvada, Hashem's presence, is going to be so strong and so palpable that it's going to be obvious that there's a one source of all, the, of all reality. There's going to be the, the oneness behind all things. The Eina Mulvada is going to be obvious. What we're going to need, Chizik, in our Avodah Hashem, Yemaisa Mashiach, is going to be reminded that we have to bring a body to that neshama. We're going to have to be reminded of being able, of, of seeing that oneness, giving expression in all the vessels of this world. And that's ultimately what's going on. Nowadays, we know there's a guf. We need to be reminded there's a neshama. When the coming of Mashiach happens, we're going to know there's an neshama. We're going to be needed to be reminded there's a guf. So nowadays we paskin like Beis Hillel to balance the perspective that we automatically have with Beis Shammai. And when Mashiach comes, we're going to paskin like Beis Shammai to balance the perspective that we will have 
of Beis Hillel. Chanukah is a yontif that is unbelievable in nature, is that it unites both. The yontif of Chanukah is about bringing together neshama and guf. And there's many different ways how to explain this with the yontif of Chanukah, but the whole eating of Chanukah, I mean, you name it, Most many Svarim talk about this in terms of, of Chanukah being a moment in a turning point in Jewish history. Where before Chanukah, the first base of Mikdash, that was a time period which was very neshamadik. The whole time period, the first base of Mikdash was about nevuah, prophecy, light, the light of the Rabbanish uh, the the basic the basic uh, vantage point and perspective and orientation was neshama. It was prophecy, it was spiritual. After Chanukah, that's now the period of the second base of Mikdash and post second base of Mikdash, where now it's a time period of Tarsh Bal the oral Torah. What's the oral Torah about? Human beings. Human intellect, finite people, bodies, physicality. How do you, the halachas of Shabbos, what's muksa, what's not muksa? No longer are we talking about prophecy, no longer are we experiencing the spiritual world. We're now mamish in the physical world, in the body of this physical world, in the kalim of this physical world, and trying to navigate accordingly, figuring out what the Rabbani wants us to do when we're in this physical world. Chanukah is the bridge. Chanukah is a time when we were transitioning from prophecy to Tarsh Peh. And that, the, therefore the yontif of Chanukah is a yontif to give the Jewish people chizik. That although going forward you're going to be in a world of body, you're going to be in a world of what? Of human intel- intellect and human invention and human ideas. And Rabbi Kiva is going to say ideas and Rabbi Shafainstein is going to say ideas and it's all very human. And it looks no different than the Yavanim. The Yavanim happen to be studying math and science and technology, and Chachamim are studying the rules of the Torah, but ultimately it all looks human, it all looks like guf, it all looks like just physical kalim. The Yontav of Hanukkah reminds you that behind the scenes of that wisdom, of that physical that physical uh, involvement of Tarsh Peh, behind the scenes is Mamash prophecy. It's Mamash Advarashan. And although the Rabbani Shalom might, might have stopped communicating openly with the end of Nevuah, but the Rabbani Shalom continues to talk to us and to communicate to us through the intelligence of the Chacham of the generations of Tarsh Peh. And therefore the whole Yantav of Hanukkah, in a, in a sense, is uniting body, which is Tarsh Peh, with soul, which is Tarsh Shav It's uniting the, the concept of open miracles, which is the time period of Nevoah, with hidden miracles, with nature, which is Tarsh Peh. This is why Hanukkah itself has two miracles to it, right? There's the miracle of the victory of the war, which is a natural thing. It's not a supernatural event. And the miracle of the Pachach, of the jar of oil, which was supernatural. And they're both celebrating the Hanukkah, and they're both united on Hanukkah, because the Yantav of Hanukkah is uniting body and soul. To, when you have a body to remember there's a soul, and when you have a soul to remember to use the soul to enliven the body, and they come together. The Devar Hashem that's, that's sort of, um, you know, undifferentiated and not nuanced and not specific in Tanakh, like the Rabbanu Shalom said a sentence in Chumash, remember the, Shab- the day of Shabbos to keep it holy. That's that's nevuah. That's the neshama of Shabbos. But I don't know what that means exactly. It doesn't have any nuance. I don't know. I can't touch it. I can't feel it. It's too esoteric. So comes that neshama of Zohar Siyam Shabbos and goes into the body of Mesecha Shabbos and Mesecha Erevin. And now you have a tangible, living, breathing Shabbos. And that's the tachlis of Tarsh Peh, to be a vessel through which the 
Dvar Hashem of Nevuah is able to materialize in a practical, tangible way, where now you could put your finger on Shabbos, on a Shabbos uh, Kiddush cup and say, oh, thus is Shabbos. And instead of it being something that's dead and uh, either intangible because it's just light or completely dead because it's just body, it's now a living, tangible Kedusha of Shabbos. That's what Hanukkah is about. Hanukkah is celebrating the phenomenon of being able to put our fingers and to be able to touch Yiddishkeit, where in a way that it's practical, it's tangible, but it's also mamish living and lichtig and spiritual at the same time. That's what Hanukkah is a celebration of. Therefore, Hanukkah is a yantif that is uniting Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel. Beis Hillel is the neshama, Beis Shammai is the guf. The yantif of Hanukkah is a celebration of our ability to unite the two, of learning halacha and, and remembering that there's a God behind it, and learning Tanakh and making sure that, that the mess, the 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 vague messages of Tanakh materialize practically in keeping halacha properly. They build off each other, neshama into the guf, and the guf into the neshama. This is why the first brach of, of, of Lahad Lagnir Hanukkah is Beishil oriented, and Sha'asanisim is Beishami oriented. The first brach of Lahad is about lighting the flame of Hanukkah. Lahad Lagnir Hanukkah is lighting the candle. Ner Hashem Nishmas Adam. The candle of Hashem is the Neshama. The flame of Hanukkah is representative of what? Of the Neshama of Yiddishkeit, the Neshama of the world. That's, and that's orientation of Beis Hillel. So Beis Hillel is going to be connected to Lahad Lagner Hanukkah, which is the light of Hanukkah. The light always means the Neshama. The Brach of Sha'asinis and Lavisenu means how that light of Hanukkah manifested practically and in a tangible way in terms of the miracles of Hanukkah. That that light of Hanukkah, the miracle, the spiritual quality of Hanukkah, materialized and actually was tangible in the actual nisim, the practical things that happened during that time. And therefore, Sha'asinisim is about how that light of Hanukkah materializes in the physical world. That's the that's the contribution of the guf. The neshama of, of Hanukkah is very beautiful, but it's intangible. And the, the nisim of Hanukkah, the miracles of Hanukkah, is how those, that light of Hanukkah materializes tangibly when it's connected to a body. And therefore the second bracha is beishamitik. The second bracha is celebrating the need of the guf. The first bracha is talking about how badly, how desperately we need light, which is neshama. And the second bracha is explaining why we also need a guf, because without the guf, then the light of Hanukkah is just floating in outer space. It doesn't turn into nisim. It doesn't turn into anything tangible and practical that we can say, oh, this is what happened. Therefore, the yontav of Hanukkah is celebrating both the neshama, which is the first bracha, and the body, which is the second bracha, that's Beisalim Beishamai. Specifically, specifically today, which is Zeis Hanukkah, what is Zeis Hanukkah? Zeis Hanukkah, we, we call it Zeis Hanukkah because the last, uh, the aliyah of this day, of this day uh, has the word Zeis Hanukkah Samizbech. This, after all the Nesim brought their sacrifices, some total, these, these are, the, uh, the, these are the, 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 the dedications of the Mishkan. This is the amount of oxen, the amount of cattle, the amount of shkolim, uh, and so on, all the things that they, that they donated. But on a deeper level, Zeis Hanukkah, Zeis, always means something that you could point to with your finger. Zekelev Anveu, Zeis Hanukkah. Now, it's an amazing thing because Hanukkah is a light. Hanukkah is light. Hanukkah is licht. Hanukkah is neshama. Ner Hashem Nishmas Adam. Zeis Hanukkah means 
that today of all days, we have the ultimate kayak and the ultimate responsibility of bringing together the neshama of Hanukkah, the intangibles of Yiddishkeit, with Zeis, with the tangibles of Yiddishkeit, with the body, with Beishamai. And the Yontav of Hanukkah culminating today with Zeis Hanukkah is what? Is for us to remember, us to realize that the, what's so amazing and what's so beautiful about Yiddishkeit is, is that you can mamish put your fingers on a pair of tefillin. You can mamish touch a mezuzah. You can touch payas. You can touch a, 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 a sefer. You can, you, can, you can touch another yid. You can hug another yid. And these are all tangible. But at the same time, what's so beautiful about it is that everything that's tangible is also at the same time mamish so divine that you can literally touch that which is divine. You can touch that which is elokos, that which is saturated with God's presence. The Yantav Hanukkah, the obligation of Hanukkah, the, 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 the unbelievable schus of Hanukkah is that what? Is that not to think of Yiddishkeit as just something esoteric. And not to think of Yiddishkeit as something that's just simple, physical, and mundane and practical. But quite the opposite. Everything that's practical in Yiddishkeit are vehicles through which we connect ourselves to something transcendent and something amazing. The, the beauty of mitzvahs is the Rabbanu Shalom gave us kalem, he gave us a guf, he gave us a beishamai, in order to experience through that guf, to experience the neshama of elikus, the soul of, uh, the soul of Yiddishkeit, through the body of Yiddishkeit, that's the of Hanukkah. To be able to keep halacha and to be inspired by halacha, to keep halacha and to remember there's a God in heaven. And when you think of God in heaven, you are inspired to keep halacha. That's the back and forth. That's Zeus Hanukkah. That Hanukkah, the light of Hanukkah, should be able to be something that you could touch with your finger and say, oh, Das is das. Hashem should bless each and every one of us that just as we celebrated Hanukkah and Bez Hashem, we continue to celebrate Hanukkah and we believe in both Beishamah and Mesil and we believe in the divine side of Yiddishkeit and the practical side of Yiddishkeit. We should be zeichet to see with our own two eyes the unification of these two worlds of Neshama and Guf, the unification of Beishamah and Besil, that time of Ayin, Bayin, Yir, B'Shul Hashem, Letzian, the Be'es Gal Tzedek, Meher Amen.